The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch, and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by an impact fee technician who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome back to the show, Karina Maybe. Hello. How is everything? You enjoying the whole Last of Us review series so far yes super fun i like i like being able to discuss this and i feel like i'm ahead of the game and it's wonderful yeah we're definitely definitely ahead of everyone having seen the whole season but going back now and re-watching episodes and breaking each episode down individually it's been very enjoyable it kind of i i feel like it's bringing back some trauma that i've experienced in certain episodes that i <laughs> wish i didn't have to relive but it's cool it's growing pains all the process slowly giving yourself PTSD over and over again. Yeah. Makes me not want to play the game because I don't want to refill it again for like the fifth time. That's right. You can just go and play part two. Yes. Yes, I should. And know nothing. Especially because I am fairly confident we are going to get a second season of this show because the ratings have been ridiculous. Oh, I would hope so. It's got such a big like fan base in general, so I would hope that they picked up for a second season already or, or planning to based on the time of recording i would be expecting a announcement this week based off the first two episodes episode two had an increase in viewership they had 22 percent jump from episode one to 5.7 million viewers oh damn yeah everybody's jumping on the train <laughs> uh, which is yeah the the largest week two increase in hbo drama history very nice and episode one has, in that one week period, its total viewership has grown to 18 million. Well, there you go. Nerds are taking over the world, slowly but surely. I would be stunned if they don't renew this for a season two, and I'm excited to see how they adapt season two, possibly splitting it into two seasons. Yeah. Which I think Mazin and Druckmann have said that, yeah, that second game is quite meaty and quite long. So they may have to split it into two seasons. Hmm. Interesting. I'm curious about that now. Uh, we're back for our Last of Us review series again. This week looking at episode five, which we don't have the official title, but I, as of, what's the date today? January 24th. I am predicting that this, this episode is going to be entitled Endure and Survive. Okay. Why are you thinking that? Has that just been leaked? No, that's there's no leaks. I got no prior information, but they say that specific phrase in this episode about three or four times. All right, that that probably will be it. So, endure and survive. Episode five. I'm gonna go with your lead because you're apparently never wrong. So this is just gonna be another one of those moments where if I'm right, I'm clipping it out and I'm gonna just blast you on this. Like, look, I was right again. You blast me on everything, but then when I'm right, you're like, oh, no, I don't know what she's talking about. It's always a fluke when you do it, when you get it right. Whatever. 
Give the people what they want. <laughs> I get it right because I'm always right. Okay. And then when I get it wrong, we forget that. No, scrub that out of history. Right. Yeah, exactly. Before we dive into this one and go full spoilers, what did you think of episode five? I loved it and I hated it. I have a love-hate relationship, I feel, with this show as I progress. There are moments where I'm just like, yeah, this is a great show. And then there are other moments where I go, fuck this show. Like, why would you do that to me? So um, it's a good feeling of both of those mixed together in this one. This one has been like the most rounded and solid episode. Like we had the crazy emotional moments, a bit more expanding on the lore of this city. And we get a crazy action sequence. I, yeah, it's a, it's a good mix of everything that an episode should be comprised of but I'm just still kind of recovering from certain things that happened in this episode that I just can't get past, <laughs> so. Yeah, I think, like, this is, like, the midpoint of the season, really, so, yeah, it's kind of, this episode has culminated from the build-up of the previous four, so we get a, a bit of the elements from all four episodes in the lead-up to episode five in episode five, and then we continue on from there with our two main characters. Yep. Now that we're going to go into spoilers, the episode starts with a crazy sort of riot, citizens overthrowing Fedra in the city, and this this opening sequence was, I wrote down three words as I was watching it, brutal, barbaric, and savage. Yeah, it's a good, that's a good summary of everything in one spot. So you hit it the nail on the head. <laughs> we see like the citizens, they're smashing bottles over Fedra soldiers who are basically on their knees tied up uh, we see a public hanging which is pretty full-on yeah and then we see a, a dead body being dragged around town behind a truck that's been stabbed like a hundred so times with just like the knives and screwdrivers and stuff still in the body all over it it's like holy cow yeah that kind of took me by surprise because I know in episode one like if i'm not mistaken in the game like they show public executions in the game but it's Fedra committing those. Yeah, and it's Fedra committing those. But like in the first episode, they they took that out. Like they didn't put that in there where you could physically see that. So I was really shocked to see that they had actually done like that much of brutality. Like, and they kept it in the in the cut. Yeah, I think in episode one that they've they made that change to kind of make Fedra a little bit more sort of gray in terms of are they all that bad? Like where they stand necessarily. Are they more just doing what needs to be done? But deep down, you know, yeah, the way they're going about this is a bit dodgy. Whereas yeah. then that all then culminates in this episode where, yes, they clearly are treating people like crap because the citizens of this city have decided, nope, we've had enough. Yeah. This is 20 years of you guys just being brutal to us. So let's, we got to get rid of you and take over and take control of this city and get control back and strangely end up being the exact thing that they're trying to get rid of. Yeah, it's really odd. Like, they just took on the same kind of tactics that their enemies did, so that it's like they're no better than who they were fighting against anyway. We then see, like, Kathleen with a whole bunch of Fedra informants in a cage, essentially basically asking them to give up anyone that hasn't already been captured. And she kind of says, yeah, we will put you on trial, but it's kind of going to just be a sham court anyway because her very next line is you're all guilty anyway so that's how that's gonna go yeah and if you don't tell me you're i'm just gonna kill you all 
Yeah, it's crazy. And then she she kills somebody anyway. She's like, oh yeah, you're a rat. Yeah. And it just kills him. She ends up getting the the guy from last episode, which I couldn't remember his name is. It's Perry. She says mm-hmm. that in this episode, kind of names him. And after she gets the info she needs, she tells him to go back in there and kill everyone anyway. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure everyone in that cage, within like three minutes of the episode starting, is dead. Yeah. It's like, holy crap. She's she's evil. Like, you know, I thought Fedra was bad. and not saying that they're not, but she's brutal. Like, she is absolute savage. Yeah, she's just heartless. She's like, yeah. give me what I want, and then even then I'm going to kill you anyway. Yeah. Like, you'll eventually turn on me. You turned on everybody else, so I'm just going to get rid of you now. Which is then kind of what makes her manhunt for Henry all the more, like, scary because we've seen what she does once she captures these people and Henry is a big enemy to her. Like, she even says to Perry, like, he's not my sixth, seventh, or eighth priority. He's the top priority because he has killed people that I loved and killed important people to our cause and informed on us. So he's got to die. He's, we're not just hunting him down to get him off the streets and stop him attacking us. Like, he must die. Yeah, she's just, she's out for blood and she's like letting her emotions get the best of her, I think which is the downfall of a lot of leaders that have that kind of power and that kind of drive is eventually just fall. <laughs> and I love in this, this episode in particular, like it expands on the law by giving us those insights on both sides. Like we get to spend some time with Kathleen and understand her emotions and what's driving her. But we also spend a lot of time with Sam and Henry understanding their backstory, what got them to this point uh, and, and their motivations. Like we learn that, the reason that Sam uh, Henry informed on the insurgents was basically to get leukemia medication for Sam. Right. He had a pretty valid excuse, I guess, to to work with Fedra. Like they had medication that he needed. Otherwise, his deaf younger brother is going to die. Yeah, it's it's really sad. I mean, he's got he's got a good heart and good intentions. It's just that he had to go about it a wonky kind of way. And oh well, do what you got to do. I mean, family first. And then, like, yeah, Kathleen's, her motivations are the same. Like, she's hunting him down because she essentially found out that that's what Henry did, and then that caused her brother to be captured and ultimately die. So, like, that's why she's hunting him down. It's yeah. for those same personal selfish reasons. Right. Nobody nobody really wins at that point. There's going to be so many casualties. It's just, you know. I thought telling the story in that way was very much like, the game, The Last of Us Part 2, like the sequel. Mm -hmm. Because in that game, we get to see both sides of the story. We see Ellie's story in the game. And then we also see, uh, I can't remember her name now. What's her name? I wasn't told her name. My friends would not divulge her name to me. They were just like, oh, you play as Ellie for three days? And then you play as this other mysterious character for three days. I go, oh, that's weird. Yeah. So you see her side of the story. and And then how their timelines connect. Yeah, and you kind of see their motivations are justified on their end. And that's what I've always said makes a good villain. Mm-hmm. In their head, they think they're the, the hero. Yeah, they can justify everything they're doing because they, they feel it's right in their, in their eyes, even though it's wrong to everybody else. That's where I think Neil Druckmann is clearly a fantastic writer in that sense because it's carried over from part one into this season. And then we see it carry over into the game as well. And I wonder if 
these sort of changes that they've added and extra info that they've added into this show is like leading off what he did in that second game. Like mm. if this, that game has then influenced the changes that they made to the series. That'd be an interesting kind of thing that like, if you could pick his brain, that'd be such a good thing to like ask or something like that. I'd love to know, like, was this the kind of story that he had in mind when he was writing the first game or mm -hmm. did, yeah, that second game then influence the changes that you've made for the TV series? Right. And when you look at things from both aspects, it makes you almost sympathize with the villain because you get to see things from their side. So you're like, oh, they're not really that bad. They just... They're doing bad things, but they kind of had a good reason for those bad things. Right. So it's kind of hard to hate them completely. But then, you you know, when you see both things together, it's like, all right, well, got to pick one side. Unless are the two evils at this point. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then we switch back to Henry and Sam and where they're at. As the ambush happens to Joel and Ellie, which again is like that Last of Us Part 2 where you're seeing the same timeline of events but from different perspectives. And mm -hmm. when I was watching it, I was thinking for them to have seen that ambush is obviously why they have a little bit more trust in Joel when they do manage to hunt him down and is perhaps why they search them out because they can see Henry even says like, I saw what you were capable of to Joel. Yeah. So he understands it. For me to get out of this city, Joel is the person that can make that happen for me. Right. Yeah. He's definitely, uh, Joel's definitely uh, made himself, you know, want to be number one on everybody's team at that point. Like everybody wants Joel there. Well, Kathleen doesn't. She wants Joel dead, even though she doesn't sort of know he's there at this point. She doesn't completely know it, but yeah, like, I mean, I'm sure if, he hadn't done what he did like she might have thought differently but <laughs> I think once she finds out that the person that Joel and Ellie killed was her son yeah which was a big like uh-oh when they revealed that moment yeah once she finds that he immediately jumps up the pecking order of most wanted in the city public enemy number one right there watch out and then I love that we come back to that point from the end of episode four with Sam and Henry holding Joel and Ellie captive at gunpoint, which we later learn was an unloaded gun, which I thought was a nice little interesting dynamic. Yeah, that's kind of funny. But it's just, it's so funny to like see like this little kid just standing there like, don't you move, don't you do it. Mm. <laughs> you don't want to mess with us. But yeah, I guess from Joel and Ellie's perspective, they've got a gun pointed at you. You don't know it's not loaded or not. So you just have to yeah. assume that it is and do what they say. Yeah, comply. It's crazy. But I did like that we sort of, we get to see their dynamic between those two groups grow a little bit. And Ellie's trying to make Joel be kinder, but the way he responds, she's like, don't worry about him. He just has an asshole voice. Yeah. She goes back with her like witty teen remarks, you know? Yeah. I think she's come to know that that's just how Joel is. It's not necessarily him being mean. She's just that's what he's like, so that's what we deal with. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> and then I totally blanked on it in the last episode, but when they get to that ambush, Joel says Kansas City, but for some reason I totally missed it. But then in this episode when uh, Henry says, I'm the most wanted man in Kansas City, but I may be fighting for that with you now, that made me tweak to, this isn't the city that it's supposed to be in the game. Oh, that's weird. Because in the game, this is... Pittsburgh. Yeah, I thought that's where it was supposed to be. 
in the show, it's Kansas City. Oh, I didn't know that. Because, yeah, in my head, I'm like, oh, they're supposed to go to Pittsburgh. Like, or that's what they were supposed to do. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Like, now you just made a light bulb go off in my head. Yeah, so this episode and the last one actually set in Kansas City, which making this change moves Joel and Ellie much further west, much quicker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I guess makes sense because they're trying to get to, what, Wyoming, which is yeah quite a long way west, so... Middle of nowhere. Uh, if this had been Pittsburgh between then and winter, like, there's a, a big gap and a big distance to cover with no car. Yes. Whereas between episodes three and four, they had that car, so it makes a bit more sense to get a bigger distance on their travel before they hit the roadblock. Right. And then Kansas to Wyoming, not as far. No, but that's a that's an interesting thing I didn't pick up on. I mean, not having played the game like further than what I did, I guess I didn't really register it in general. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, like when Joel like just offhand says that it's Kansas City when they're at the roadblock, it just totally blanked in my mind because I'm used to the game. I was like, oh yeah, it's, it, this is Pittsburgh, whatever. But then in that quiet moment where they're sitting at the top of the tower and Henry says, yeah, I'm the most wanted man in Kansas, but you might be fighting me for that. I was like, wait, Kansas, what? Hold on. <laughs> During that conversation between the four of them, uh, we also get the clickers given their actual name of clickers because up until then they never actually said them. Like Ellie describes them, we encounter them, but... They don't have an official name. This episode they actually call them clickers. It's like, oh, okay. At least they have the name now, so yeah. Now, if they just say that, we know it's it's those particular infected, right? In this interaction between Sam, Ellie, Henry, Joel, this forces Joel to be a little bit more reliant on Ellie, which I thought was this is an important moment in the game and in the show, like with the the changing dynamic between Ellie and Joel, because up until then they've kind of been a little bit a little bit of friction between them. They're not quite on the same page but now that they're with this extra group that they're not 100 percent sure on yeah joel has to fall back on the one person that he knows is kind of on his side so when they go into those underground tunnels he's like okay now's time to get out your gun be careful he has faith in her to have another set of eyes and protect him right. if, if need be yeah just making her be on alert and real like giving her the assurance that he trusts her and he's going to do the same for her. There's another line too where we kind of realize that they're on the same page when uh, I think it's Henry says something about uh, your your dad or something to, to Ellie. And at the exact same time, Joel and Ellie are both like, not my dad. Yeah, <laughs> it was really funny. I think that that is that pivotal turning point where you're like, okay, they're on the same page now. These two are solidified and moving forward, they're a team. It's not two people that just happen to be next to each other on this journey. Yeah. As someone that didn't play the game, I imagine you didn't pick up on when they in these tunnels and they get to this like underground bunker, childcare, school section. Mm -hmm. Did you see the poster on the wall with the like the kids drawing and the names? I did, but it didn't like nothing really stood out to me on it. It just looked like a cool kid's drawing. Ish did not ring any bells for you, but that is a a major Easter egg for the game. Oh, okay. In the game, you uh, wander around, you find all these letters and things, like okay. environmental storytelling bits where all these letters are, are from a, a character called Ish talking about having this little underground community and stuff. And I was like, huh, 
There we go. Oh, that's funny. There's a nice tie-in without like a linger on this kid's drawing with the name Ish on it for a little bit longer than perhaps you normally would in a shot like that where you'd normally just scan across something. Mm-hmm. So they linger on it for people that know the game and see it, but for everyone else it's kind of just like, oh, it's a kid's drawing in there where there were kids down here with adults and adults that were protecting them. Yeah, that's a that's interesting though now. Like I'm glad that they've been doing like subtle little like drops here and there where like if you've played the game, you'll automatically pick up on them. Yeah, they're not like the uh, like the Star Wars series Easter eggs and references apart from Andor didn't really do it, but like Mandalorian and those sort of shows, they've, mm-hmm. they've been really kind of, do you remember this thing from the movies? Yeah. And like really in your face about it, whereas this one, they're kind of just like, here's Joel using a bandage in a weird way. Here's a, a exact shot from the game. Right. Exact lines from the game, but not like, they don't like stop on it and be like, do you remember? You remember? Yeah. Don't you remember berries? You're an idiot. Did you watch South, did you watch the South Park season with the member berries? No, I didn't. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a joke that just flew over your head. <laughs> yep. I'm just like, but yeah, if you're on those kind of drugs, that's cool. Everybody <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> I love some member berries. Oh man. While they're spending time in that little underground bunker, killing time so that it moves from daytime to night, Ellie and Sam sit down and read the Savage Starlight comics. Again, another Easter egg that probably went over your head, but that's Ellie's favorite comic from the game. Oh, that's cute. I know that they had like a connection and like she mentioned that like she loved it too. Like he's like, uh, like they were writing it out on his board or whatever. He's like, oh, I like this. And she goes, I like it too. Things like that. So it was a cute little connection that they had. Yeah. And they're talking about the the issues that they have Mm -hmm. or they had in their collections. So yeah, I thought that was cool to see them get to be kids briefly and It's in that moment where they, I think that might be the first time we get endure and survive said, or maybe the second time, I think maybe Sam and Henry say it at some point as well, but Mm. it's another, this is another point where it's definitely dropped. I was like, hmm, they've said this a couple of times in this episode now, so. Pretty sure that's what's happening. This has to be the episode title for this one. That's, yeah, makes sense. On the flip side, we get Joel and Henry talking about what they've had to endure to get to this point in their, their survival and. This is kind of where the, the line between good guys and bad guys continues to get blurred. Like we mentioned with Kathleen and Henry, the line is blurred with them. It's where we learn about the leukemia medication. We've also heard previously Joel talking about how he's had to do some bad things to get to this point. So you're kind of like, yeah, the, the line between being a good guy and a bad guy, it's pretty much non-existent at this point in this universe. Like you just got to do what you got to do to not die. Yeah, there's no sides anymore. Everything's just a mess of grey. And then we flick back to Kathleen in her, what we come to learn is her family home and her childhood bedroom. And her whole speech in this moment, I thought was a really moving speech. And again, like reflected that blurred lines thing. But we also learn that her brother was a kind hearted leader. Like he was, he was just looking out for the people. Yeah. Whereas after his death, she just becomes bitter and totally vengeful. Like she doesn't care what Henry did, why he did it. He just needs to die because her brother died. Yeah. Her switch just gets completely flipped. And, you know, I mean, death will do that to you. Like a family member's death will do that to you. So get it. Even Perry like looks at her at that moment. Like, are you sure? Do we really need to do this? Like, can we not just let this guy escape and 
who ca- once he's gone, who cares? Like he's out. We're probably we'll never see him again. Yeah, let's just make sure he's out of here. Right. But no, she's determined. He's he's not allowed to escape. We need to catch him, and he needs to be killed. Yeah, she's uh, she's something. Which, again, like I can see, like she lost her brother, then her son. Everyone, she's kind of like Joel. Everyone she ever loved is dead, and Ellie. Everyone they ever loved is dead. Yeah, but if she wasn't a jerk, maybe like, and she was, she was, you know, not focusing on trying to segregate everybody. Maybe she wouldn't have lost track of her family members at that point. Yeah, she's just a psycho. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Those are sort of the big laying the dominoes, preparing for this next major moment with the, the crazy action sequence as Joel, Ellie, Sam, and Henry exit the bunker out into like the suburbs of Kansas City. And I loved in this moment, like scanning around, we've moved into the fall, mm-hmm. all, the, all the trees and just the entire color palette of this section of the city is in those fall colors, which again, like I imagine was intentional to echo the, in the game, it's kind of split up into seasons. So okay. we get four seasons, we get each four seasons and then in, Game two, instead of splitting into seasons, it's split into days. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think this was likely to indicate that, okay, we're now in the fall chapter of the game. Okay. That's an interesting way of like splitting it up because, I mean, I wouldn't have known that, but that's a fun way of kind of following the timeline and the time frame of where they are in their journey. The initial couple of episodes were summer. This is fall. We're about to move into the winter section and then spring at the end. Yeah. As like new life. We're just starting fresh. Yeah. And I noticed in this big action sequence, because we got the, the pre-screening access thanks to Binge, we got the little tags when some of the VFX hadn't been fully completed. I saw Weta Digital is doing the, the FX for mm-hmm. this sequence in particular, which is I'm excited to see the, the final outcome of this sequence because Weta Digital are pretty much the best in the business when it comes to CG effects. Like they worked on the Avatar okay. movies. So, you know, once this Top sequence tier. is completed, it is going to look incredible. Yes. I've already watched this episode two or three times. Oh, okay. And I'm going to end up watching it easily a fourth just to see the finished version of this sequence. So I've watched them one all the way through and then I've been watching them as they've weekly release. And then I end up watching them again because my mom will watch them like the day or two afterwards. So I end up watching them like a second time or a third time somewhat or I'll just catch little things here and there. And she's pissed at me. She goes, why are you watching it again? What, why? What's the, what's the point? Yeah. I found that like the first two episodes I watched, I watched them once just as a watch through and like mm-hmm. some brief notes. And then before we've recorded each episode, I'm going back and watching them and really like studying them and pausing and playing and pausing and playing to take real detailed notes. And then when they've aired again, I've watched them again. And even on that third airing, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm picking up things that I missed in the first air, the first two watches. So I'm just like, oh, oh yeah, this, this just shows how, how complex, how deep this show is and how well it has been done. Right. Yeah. What did you think of this whole like big action sequence as well? Um, I liked it. I was really excited for it just because we haven't really had a whole lot of that up to this point. We've had little, small little things here and there, but this was like a great kind of like in your face moment, especially after having like 
you know, a couple heavy episodes, like, well, episode three was super heavy. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it was kind of just a nice, fresh take on it, even though it wasn't like a good take, it was violent, but it was still a cool, fun, new take on it. Yeah, and this is like the first time, like, we've had the infected encounters before, mm -hmm. but they've all been very small scale. Yeah, this is like a horde. Apart from, yeah, Tess getting swarmed, but we don't see a lot of that. Yeah. This one is, this is Full an on. entire horde of infected and we see all, all the different sorts of the infected too. We've just got mm -hmm. the, the stalkers and runners. Uh, we've got the clickers that climb into the car with Ellie and she shanks one. I was like, that's another cool nod to the game, like shanking them like in the neck and taking them down that way. And then we get the big ass bloater one, which... Yes. I realized watching rewatching episode two, they laid the foundation for that that second episode. Oh really? When they're walking across the like overpass through Boston. Uh-huh. And just before Ellie asks about the the split open head one that mm -hmm. navigate with sound, she also asks about are there big giant fat ones that explode with spores? Mm-hmm. So they They've laid, they laid the foundations for this bloater way back there, but didn't, didn't reference it again until now. I didn't even catch that. Like, literally, my mom was just watching it before I started recording with you. That's what I was doing. I was eating dinner and watching it again, and I didn't even catch her saying that. So I'm, I got to watch it again? Yep. Yeah, that was one I, that was one I missed yeah. on my second watching. I picked that up yesterday, re-watching episode two. I was like, oh. Oh, wow. The whole sniper sequence where Joel is in the like, tower protecting Ellie, like picking off infected and stuff to, to keep her safe. Mm -hmm. Elements were very similar to the game where you leave Ellie with the others and you have to go up into the tower and take out the sniper. Okay. It was really sort of gut-wrenching when this Joel kind of basically begs the sniper, like, don't make me do this. Don't make me do this. Just put the gun down and leave and I'll let you go. Mm -hmm. But the guy has to point the gun at Joel and instantly gets dropped so i was like Ooh. yeah and then yeah in the game you then control joel and you have to basically keep an eye on ellie and pick off people as they attack her but in the game it's it's a combination of fedra and uh, infected oh god so you can kind of you can use that to your advantage as well like you can pick off people as they get really close to ellie mm -hmm. but you can also kind of direct the infected to take out Fedra agents or whatever Fedra people as well, and then you and then you take out the infected after. Like that was fun, but I, I loved the way they did it in this, where we had the combination of infected and Kathleen's crew. Like we had it essentially the same vibe, but just not Fedra, which uh, Mazin and Druckmann explained in the post episode two podcast, basically saying like, why would Fedra be out in the outskirts of a place like this? Mm. They have their quarantine zone, which they've been absolutely run out of in Kansas City and killed, essentially. So they're definitely not here. Yeah. But back in Boston, yeah, when they got to that state building, there was no Fedra there because there's no need for them to be out there. Yeah, I guess that makes sense then. Control their quarantine zone. They control the little buffer zone to make sure people don't get in. But apart from that, there's no reason for them to then expand out. Yeah. When that bloater and stuff climbs out, like we've seen the, the clip of it climbing out of the hole in the trailers and things before and it looks incredible there and it was like almost insurmountable odds it was kind of like there's surely no way they get out of this yeah that's very true because that thing is massive and 
that's just that many infected as well. It's like, yeah, no matter how many dudes are in Kathleen's crew with assault rifles, there's way more infected that are fast and crazy. Yeah. I don't see how they manage to get out of it. And they kind of don't. Ellie, Sam and Henry do survive. Kathleen gets wiped out by a clicker at the end. I was like sucked in. I was so happy. I was so happy when that happened. I was like, yeah, bitch got hers. Mm-hmm. So then our, our main protagonists get away, kind of. We then later find out that they didn't escape injury-free. Mm-hmm. Can we just, like, skip over this part now? Because this... So we, we've had the dominoes set up. We've had the action sequence, which begins the, to topple the dominoes, and then this is the moment where the final domino falls, and we find out that Sam was bitten. But then this, this happens after Ellie finally admits that she's scared. Mm-hmm. All the time. She's like, I'm scared all the time, but it's not of dying. It's of being left alone, which I thought was, that's an important line for the next few episodes. Mm-hmm. And like, I hate the fact, like, I mean, I get it, but I hate the fact that like her and Sam became so close. Like they finally started to really be able to communicate with each other. They had their own way of talking with each other and like bonding over the comic and stuff like that. And Ellie was like trying to learn sign language and everything. Yeah, so it was just really, it was really rough after that. Made it extra heartbreaking for her, I think. Yeah. To kind of lose her new best friend and someone that she could relate to on an age level. Like it's, it's yeah. this isn't a 50 year old person. No, this is like the first kid she's come across on, in the outside world. So I feel like she was able to be a little bit of a kid again with, with him and the conversations that they had. Um, and then that just took a turn for the worst. We see Sam sort of ask, do you think that, like you're still yourself if you get taken over and then reveals that he's been bitten on the ankle and Ellie tries in a really gross, disgusting way yeah, to, that was to cure him with her own blood, which we find out doesn't work. I thought it was a really gross moment, but a sweet moment in terms of she, she doesn't want her best friend to die. But Yeah, I appreciate her efforts, but there's got to be a better way to go about that. <laughs> I was wondering, does this also foreshadow that perhaps the cure isn't real like there is no pos possible cure like yeah she just she's just unique and special and she happens to just be immune but like that's not going to help anybody else out later on or anything i guess m there was like maybe if she'd done it like immediately after it had bitten him and before yeah. it sort of spread through his body it might have worked but by the time that he does finally admit to it it's too late like it's hours later it's definitely spread yeah, right throughout him it doesn't spread. doesn't take long to overtake someone no it's, yeah it's rough and when he is fully taken over and attacks ellie how did you feel in that moment really <laughs> i um i was really optimistic that like ellie's idea was going to work and then when it didn't work i was like oh no oh no 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 please not that and it just it fucking happened and i was just i was kind of like in shock when it happened at first like did that really just happen and yeah, clearly it did, but. Were you shocked at who eventually killed Sam and protected Ellie? I was. And that's what made that even harder because I was just, I was so in shock. I go, oh my God, no. And then, you know, it happened again. And I go, fuck. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like my heart was literally exploding from, oh God, that the, he shot the kid. And then, oh God, he's, he's gone too. <laughs> Double whammy. No, not to be 
Henry has to kill his own younger brother and he kind of just does it out of instinct. Involuntarily, yeah. It wasn't just, it was... He just realizes there's the only way to stop this is to kill this kid. Yeah. And then immediately realizes what he's done. Mm-hmm. He's kind of heartbroken and ends up needing, to, like just kills himself on the spot, which was also like really tough. Like Joel was trying to stop him. He was like mm-hmm. trying to just get the gun off him. Like, just give me the gun. There's give, me no the gun. Need. give me the gun. There's no need for this. And then he kills himself Mm-mm. in front of both of them. And I think... That made it even more tragic and heartbreaking for Ellie. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the first time she's seen something like that directly in front of her. Like Tess died away from her. She didn't actually witness it. Yeah. Joel kills the kid that she shot. But she's behind a wall. In a separate so... room. Yeah. But this one, she just saw two people that she kind of had begun to care about die directly in front of her. I was like, oh, that's going to mess her up. And... We cut to them outside and it, it has clearly messed her up. She's very quiet and she writes the little on the little placard that Sam was using to communicate. She just writes, I'm sorry, and then walks off. Yeah. Ellie looks so defeated too in that. Like the emotion that's in that is just so, so raw. Like you feel really bad for her because I feel like with Ellie, she realizes that like she wasn't able to cure Sam. So I feel like she blames herself for that pretty much. That Like that's why she wrote out, I'm sorry. Like she... She's not feeling like a failure. Like, if I failed him, I'm going to fail everybody else probably. And then, you know, that's just like a chain reaction with Henry not being able to, you know, comprehend and cope with what he just did either. So it's a really sad situation. She's maybe sort of starting to doubt the whole... Cure thing. Cure possibility as well, like Joel had been from mm-hmm. episode two when he finds out that she's bitten. Like, he's just like, oh, we've heard all this before and it's 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 never been right. So why would Mm-mm. this be any different? And... Yeah. For it to not work on Sam, I think Ellie has now kind of gone, maybe Joel was right. Maybe this isn't going to work and what are we doing? Like, what's the point of all of this? Yeah, it's a really, really sad episode and that's why I don't like it. And I would like a palate cleanser now. Mm, trying to think what happens in the next episode. Eh, a little bit. Eh. Until the very end. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I also liked that Ellie tries not to linger on it for too long as well like she writes i'm sorry and then she's like which way's west like, just let's mm-hmm. go i don't want to be here any longer than we need to like let's just keep going and then we see joel and ellie walking off on the road into the sort of the sunrise yeah i think it's her coping mechanism like she's not going to try and show her emotion she just wants to either forget about it or put it behind her and just kind of move on so she doesn't dwell on that kind of stuff so overall what would you rate episode five? Oh, it's good like i'll give it a five for being great but i want to give it like a negative 1000 for hurting me <laughs> yep definitely five for five yeah i thought this was like i said the most well-rounded episode in terms of giving us a bit of everything that the last of us can be we got the action we got the background and law and then the heartbreaking moments, which is The Last of Us. Without those, it's not The Last of Us. Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, no one warned me it was going to be this bad, okay? Y'all y'all tell me it's pretty emotional, but you don't go into the nitty-gritty of how emotional it is. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted you on this season to sort of experience this as someone that wasn't prepared for everything that was coming, whereas I'm kind of... These moments are hitting me emotionally. Mm-hmm. But you're prepared for them. 
I know what's coming. They're not quite yeah. as impactful as someone that hasn't seen them before. Yeah, you're just like, I'm going to be a jerk and I'm going to watch people like get all emotional and sad. It's going to be fine. So. I'm weirdly excited to watch mom get crazy emotional for the next episode. My mom will probably stop watching this show after that episode, like after this episode. Episode three or this episode five? Episode three might hurt her too, but episode five will probably really destroy her. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited for just see the reactions for episode three when it airs, but then people might get over that one because they're not like the core characters, but mm-hmm. they're going to hit episode five and be like, oh God, this poor girl, just nothing is going right for this poor girl. Chloe won't even watch episode two now ever since she got scarred by episode one. I'm like, dude, you're fine. Keep going. And she goes, nope, it's too emotionally traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's episode five of The Last of Us. Thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Karina on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee, and you can follow me on social media at Jamieups Media and at Perrier Magazine. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Perrier Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Epps.